we'll have prayer tomorrow. And I kind of just encourage you this evening, got really inspired. And I want to read out of the first, uh, first John 4, 4, first John 4, 4. And the other day, it's been a couple weeks now since we're in prayer and fasting. There is a story that had come out, and I don't know if you know this, if there is a, a new, new kind of movement with very wealthy people. It's what they call exotic vacationing. And you're going to be seeing this quite a bit. Uh, Jeff Bezos just did one, the, you know, the CEO of Amazon when he went and got launched. But there was a recent one that just came out. And you've heard about this. It's called Ocean Gates, the, the Ocean Gates Titan. This is a submarine that went on a voyage down to go do a tour there to see the Titanic. And the man who owned this company was actually the one piloting the submarine doing this. His name is uh, Stockton Rush. Interesting enough that his wife, Wendy Rush, she actually had family members who actually went down on the Titanic. It's kind of, and so you read this story, and I got really intrigued, begin to look into the story, what happened, because on June 18, 2023, this ship went missing, finding out this vessel had imploded. And there's a lot of controversy about this and a lot of stories why it happened. They really don't have all the details, but there's a lot of controversy because a lot of the things that this man did in building this ship. And so I want to preach a sermon I've called Ocean's Gate Titan. I'm going to minister on pressure. And I believe God will begin to speak to you this evening. It was God just really gave me a revelation as I was studying this, not the, 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 the whole ocean gate, but this, this, this portion of scripture, and I believe God will help you in this. It says, 1 John 4, 4, you're of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Let's pray. Father God, I pray, Lord God, that you would minister a word due in season. Let there be an anointing upon your Holy Spirit begin to move, touch hearts, those, Lord God, are feeling pressure in their lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to first talk about the pressure because I want you to understand what had happened in this ship, that vessel that had gone down, and what had happened is that it imploded. Didn't it explode, it imploded. And if you know anything about implosion, I begin to look at what this was. It's very hard to mimic, but the Mythbusters did this. They did this to a train, which would pretty much what it would be, it would collapse on itself. Because the amount of pressure that is in the ocean, the deeper you go, the more pressure that there is. In other words, let me give you an example. If you went down 100 meters in a submarine, they said, give you an example. If I got a 12 by 12 or a one foot by one foot board and I put it upon your chest and the amount of pressure a hundred meters down or a football field would be down would be 20,880 pounds of pressure on your chest. That's a lot of pounds of pressure. As you go further down and deeper, they said that where the Titanic is, the amount of pressure that is there, it goes down 2.4 miles, which would be th about 3,800 meters, the chest. It's 797,000 pounds. That's a lot of pressure. There's no way a human could survive that. They actually said that's not the deepest dive. There's actually James Cameron, who was the director of the Titanic, actually went down, uh, probably one of the deepest in the Mariana Trench, which is 11,000 meters, which is almost several miles down. The amount of pressure in that area, which is probably the deepest place in the ocean, is 2.3 million pounds of pressure. There's a reason why we don't go deep sea, you know, going deep sea. There's more people going to outer space than there is going to deep earth or deep ocean because we don't have the technology to be able to withstand the pressure that these things have to go through. And so this man, Stockton Rush, built this capsule, had actually went down three times prior with no issue, but on the fourth time, they didn't make it. And there's a lot of revelation here I want to speak, but I want to first look at the pressure that you and I 
fill in the world. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world. That scripture conformed, what it's saying, that there is a pressure that wants to mold you in a certain way. That's what we call political pressure. I don't know if you know this. There is a political pressure. There is a climate right now in 2023 that you're feeling throughout America, but not just in America, throughout the world, where it's telling you it is a pressure that is coming upon every man and woman. But if you're a Christian, listen to me. There is a persecution coming. There is a demonic strategy against the church. And listen, it doesn't just want to stay out the four, uh, four walls of the congregation. It wants to come into the church. It wants to begin to push against all that God is trying to do. The more that we send out people, the more that we have missionaries, the more that we pioneer churches, the more pressure that you're going to feel. The more that we begin to go down the line, we begin to make stands in our schools or our colleges or even our place of work, you're going to be persecuted. There's going to be a pressure. The, the beliefs of the word of God, the Bible, there's going to be a pressure against this. Uh, Robert Garcia sent me an article that now in certain parts of the country, they actually have AI is going to rewrite the Bible. There's a church in Germany where they have an AI. It's an AI church. In other words, you go there, they pro in a program, and they probably get you a computer program. The guy comes up here uh, and he comes and gives a sermon. We're living in the last days. There is a pressure. This is why in the book of Revelation, it talks about the government, the Antichrist. It is a beast government. It's interesting that all the animals in the book of Revelations, these big governments are overpowering animals, a bear, a lion, and Jesus, the gentle lamb. But he is coming, but there is going to be a persecution. You're going to feel an aggressive spirit. It's not satisfied with us saying, okay, you're a Christian, but they want you to conform to what they want you to believe in. There's what we call peer pressure. You're going to feel this. I don't care if you're a teenager. You're going to feel it when you get older. There's such thing as peer pressure through life. You can think about this where Paul writes about this to the church of Galatia. He's talking to them and he says, look, when he was a young disciple, he's there, he's visiting the church of Galatia, and he said these men that were Judaizers, that were trying to get the Gentiles to be circumcised, to conform to what they were believing, and he says that even Peter got led away, even Barnabas, and he says, I rebuke Peter to his face. Why? Because he refused to eat with the Gentiles. At one time, he was eating with the Gentiles, but when these men came in, Men of credibility, men that he respected, begin to separate himself. Why? Because of peer pressure. There's what we call money pressure. You're going to feel this. I don't know about you. We live in San Antonio. I remember when things used to be cheap. But as the years begin to prolong, it's getting more and more expensive. And it's going to be. You think California is bad? You're starting to feel it. All the people from California are all moving down here or are moving to Florida. And what's creating an environment of money pressure that you're going to feel that used to make good money. But it's funny, your money's not going up, but the, the cost of living keeps going up and up. And you're going to feel this. Raising kids in this money pressure, you're going to feel it. This is why I believe that many will fall away. The Bible talks about this because, look, many have fallen away, pierced for the love of money. I'm telling you, there is something about money that's going to begin to put a pressure on you. There's also what I call family pressure, the pressure of being married. If you're here, you don't have any kids, praise God. But when you get kids, there's another pressure that comes upon you. It's being married and having kids. One of the great things is when you get older, you get to kick the kids out and that kind of pressure goes away. But then the grandkids come again. And it's like, oh, my God, I got another pressure. I'm not made up to have kids around the house anymore. My granddaughter is visiting us and I felt that she's there and she's talking to me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have no idea. I used to be able to put up with this, but I can't handle the pressure anymore because I don't have kids in the house. That's pressure. There's pressure in raising children in this world. There's pressure in marriage and ministry and all these things. These are all real pressures, guys. But I want to look at the pressure that Jesus is speaking about. Now, this is a revelation I got from the scripture, scripture, is this. You know, a submarine and a human being, you know, a human, I, you know, I've never been a scuba diver. 
I was talking to Barbara Hart. She said that she likes to scuba dive. She actually would go down and Paul Hart will look at her and won't get in the water. I'm with Paul Hart. I don't need to get in the water. I'm not Heather Anderson that needs to swim with great white sharks. Uh, I don't need to do that. But one of the things they prepare you as you get into the water, but you can only go so deep as a human being because the amount of pressure, that's why air is not as dense as water. And as you get deeper, the weight of the water begins to push on you. The reason why a submarine can go so deep is because it's pressurized from within out. This scripture I read to you, I'll read it again. This is New Living, 1 John 4, 4. But you belong to God, my dear, dear children, You've already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. In other words, the pressure of Jesus in you that's pushing out is greater than the world pushing against you. Let me say that again. The pressure that you have in here, Jesus, see, when you got saved, you got pressurized by the love of God and it's pushing out the world. There's something in you that's stronger than this world, but you have to underhave and get this revelation that Jesus dwells in you. Romans 8:11, but the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That word dwell is an enokia. It means to dwell in one or to influence by one. What he is saying very simply, there is a greater pressure that dwells in you. And I want you to understand this. I want you to keep this in your heart because I'm telling you, the world has pressure and is pushing against you. But there's something in you that's greater. Now, Jesus warned us of pressures coming. He actually told the disciples when he is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prays, and the first thing as he asks, Pastor Rudy just preached out of this portion of Scripture. Before he walks, he watches them, he's praying, and they're falling asleep, and he says these words to them. It says in Matthew 26, 41, Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, I want you to think about what Jesus is saying here. The word I want you to focus on is the word temptation. Now, many times read, people read that and there is a bigger context of what he is saying here. The word he uses is pararosmos. What that means, it is an ambiguous word. Yes, it means temptation, but it also means trial. It means two things. It's one word that means two things. My question is, Jesus saying that we watch and pray because we don't want to enter temptation, what he's saying is this. When temptations and trials come, you better do this, what I'm asking you to do. In other words, he says, look, when you became a Christian, when you gave your life to Jesus, life is spiritual and you cannot handle life being unspiritual. That when you, as a Christian, cannot handle life carnally, this is what he is saying. He says, look, when you're going through it, the word pressure, he says, when temptation comes or parosmos, when this pressure comes, you're going to have to watch and pray. You're going to have to be spiritual. It's the same word in James 1, 2, my brethren, I counted all joy when we fall into various trials, parosmos. He says, I want you to deal with spiritual pressure spiritually, not carnally. So what does that mean to handle things carnally? I'm gonna ask you, when pressure comes upon you, what do you do? Money pressure, marriage pressure, kid pressure, work pressure, ministry pressure. How do you handle life? Jesus says, watch and pray. Now, you, think, you thought Pastor Ruby, when you go to him and you ask him for advice, he goes, uh, let's just pray about it. You thought that was bad. 
Jesus says, the answer to anything you're going through is to watch and pray. In other words, you're going to have to be alert, be sober, be discerning. And he says, now you must pray and be spiritual. You used to handle problems with your hand of flesh, with your own hand, but I don't want you to handle problems like this anymore. I don't want you to deal with situations like you used to deal with them. Because now that you're a Christian, you're spiritual. At one time you were spiritually dead, but now you're spiritually alive. I am in you, but you must watch and pray. Handle it spiritually, not carnal. Now what does it mean to be carnal? What does it mean to handle things carnally well i'll just give you a couple real quickly one is to worry matthew 6 31 do not worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for after all these things the gentiles seek that's the way you used to live and that's what you used to worry about for your heavenly father knows the things you need and all the things uh, and uh, that you need all these things but seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness all the things that will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things, sufficient for the day in its own trouble. What he's saying is this. At one time, you used to worry, but now that you're saved and you love God, don't worry. Jesus, come on now. That's what he's saying. He said, look, you used to handle things carnally, but you don't do it that way. So how would we do things carnal? Many times you're going through money things. Your answer is I need to work more. I need to get more jobs. I need to miss church because I need to make money. And so in other words, yes, I get some of you have to work on Sunday. I understand all that. But the truth is my question to you, are you handling this spiritually or are you doing this by your own hand? In other words, I will manipulate the situation. I will put it in my own hands. And when Jesus is saying, watch and pray, what are you saying? Listen, you're taking it out of your hands and you're putting it into God's hands. To be a spiritual man or woman is to say, I have no control over the situation, but God, I'm giving it to you. Many times you're here, you're a mother, you have unsaved children. You can worry about them. I understand that. But the best thing you could do is pray, giving them to God, trusting God, saying, God, I have no control of that. But you have control. And you give them to him. It's why he's saying this is because I believe a lot of times we don't realize what we're doing. See, carnality is to build with weak and cheap material. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. What he's saying is this, your carnal ways are weak to me. Now the world idea of strength is the opposite of what Jesus thinks is strength, right? The world says, stick up for yourself. Don't turn the other cheek. Don't let, uh, you must take this in your own hand. You must pull yourself from your own bootstraps. No one's gonna give it to you. This is the problem with, like, with people like David Goggins. Yes, he's good. He can run all the way from here to Mars with no shirt on. And I'm saying that's great. The only problem with him is that he can't stay married. Yes, he has willpower, but all the other areas of life are in balance and he has no power there. You have Jordan Peterson. He's an intellectual. He's smart. Man, he, he, man, he makes me feel good when I listen to him. I like what he's saying. But the guy just had a nervous breakdown, but nobody talks about that. No power, carnal. What Jesus is saying, if you build with those things, your willpower and your own ability and your intellectualism, it's weakness. Strength is when you depend upon me because the, the spirit is willing. Jesus said these words in Matthew seven twenty six. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And when the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and the beat on the house, it fell and great was its fall. Jesus is saying, look, if you're going to build on this world, that's what he means about the sand. You can build upon the sand, the world's custom, the way they handle business, or you can build upon the rock, which is me. 
And when the storm and the pressures come, you will, you will not fall. But those that rest and trust in this world and the things that you see right now, great is the fall. So there is pressure coming. This is why Jesus said this to them, because he understood after he left that garden, he understood he was going to be crucified, but he also understood that his disciples were going to go through a great pressure. And he told them, the only way you're going to be able to handle this is you're going to have to watch and pray, be spiritual. He was trying to help them, but what did Peter do? The first thing he does, a man comes and he has a sword. He cuts off, remember, he pulls out a sword, cuts off the soldier's ear, and Jesus is like, hey, Odalek, calm down. Because that's how Peter handled things. He handled it. Look, man, Jesus, you're going to do this. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it by my own hands. In doing this, Jesus says, you live by the sword. You die by the sword. In other words, this is not what I'm doing. We're not going to handle life like this. We're not going to handle life with our own hands. We're going to give it to God. And that's the most difficult thing as a Christian is to trust him. Implosion or to implode. You know what it means? It means to collapse or to cause to collapse violently. Let's look at the implosion. Why did this vessel implode? One man said this in CBN Science, a writer, correspondent, did a report on the vessel back in November. He said, he told USA Today, he was concerned about the vessel's safety. There were parts that seemed to me less sophisticated than I was guessing. You drive it with a PlayStation video controller. Some of the ballasts are old, rusty construction parts. Pogue said, there were certain things that looked like they cut corners. So, why do people explode or implode? You, some of you are holding things in, right? And I, I've seen it where people hold things in and boom, they blow up. I don't know, I scared you. But that's how it does it, right? And then you ask yourself, why did they blow up? Why did they stop coming to church? Why did they pull themselves out of ministry? Why do they want to leave their marriage? It's always like, oh, it just happened. It never just happens. It is things in their character. And so why do we implode? What happened here? Well, Stockton Rush did one thing I think a lot of us we can do if we're not careful, is we can start cutting corners. How do you cut corners as a Christian when you do things half-hearted? To cut corners is to do things half-hearted. Then I know people that they go to work and they're excellent at what they do. I mean, they're magicians. I mean, they just do great work. They're custom. They're skilled. But when it comes to things of God, it's like they don't want to put their whole effort into it. See, the why, the, the things that we do for God should not be a half-hearted effort. The Bible says that Caleb, in the Old Testament, he says none of them will enter into the land of king. None of them will enter by the promise. Only Caleb, who will follow me whole heartedly. Another says he had a different spirit or a better yet, a good attitude. You know, attitude is everything. And how you walk with God is you can do things half-hearted. Listen, your marriage is only going to be good if you put a full heart effort into it. You've got to be, remember, pressurized, your full heart. But if you go half heart, there's a breach in the system. There's an opening. The only way to serve God is with your whole heart, not just a little bit, with everything you have. There is no other way. This is why Jesus, he showed us how you and I must do things. If we start cutting corners, we start, stop caring about what we do. The second thing is you start building at the surface. You know what they would do in, my, uh, in most vessels that as they begin to study this, what they'll do is that they will get us a vessel like an airplane or a submarine. They will go through rigorous hours of constantly being tested before they even go out into the field. 
And after they've been tested for thousands of hours, you know what they do? They'll get that vessel, that submarine or that plane, they will cut it in half. And they will begin to look upon all the things that are there to see what has happened. They were saying that the carbon fiber that this man had made this submarine is still an exotic material. It's not something we're used to yet. It hasn't been tested for a long period of time. But it, it looked good on the surface. The problem with that, it's not deep. And if, it's got to go deeper than just being the surface. You know what the great thing here about this, this building here, you can look at it and say, man, it looks good on the surface, but it goes much deeper than what you see. When they built this, they had engineers, they had guys telling us, you need this many piers to go down 20 to 30 feet, over 80 piers in this building. It's because we knew we didn't want to ship because of the soils, because they would push on the building. Just like our other building over there who was not built, it was built a long time ago, and it's gone through what we call erosion. Over time, the expansive soil will begin to make the building move, but this goes down deep into bedrock so that when there's movement, it stays. Why? Because it goes deep. Matthew 13, 20. Look what Jesus says. But he who received the seed on the stony places, this is who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation, persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. The Luke version says this, but the one the ones on the rock are those when they hear, they receive the word with joy. And these have no root. And who believe for a while and in time of uh, temptation, there's that word again, parasmos, fall away. You see, you can come to church and you can be a surface Christian. This on the outside. You can say the right thing. Hallelujah. How you doing? Praise God. How you doing? The Lord's good, brother. How you like Lord Jesus? He's in my heart. But when pressure comes, it begins to expose what's there. You can say whatever you want. But when pressure begins to be pushed upon someone, you really do see what's in that person. They hired me uh, years ago to go to New Braunfels to look at a pool that had been shifting because it was on a cliff. And as I went over there, I began to look at it. The whole pool was doing this. It was about to fall off the cliff. And as we did, I, we had to do like some deep digging, you know, some, we, like we have to look why, how did they build this? And as I began to look at it, I realized they didn't go deep. See, the closer you get to a cliff, like I'm saying, if I got close, this close, the deeper I have to go. The more you live in this world, and the more you're dealing with what we're dealing with, you're going to have to go deeper. Because the erosion, what would happen is that the storms come, it begins to erode the soil, and eventually it begins to undermine it, and he does this, just like homes. And that's why in California, you got hill slide homes. They'll go right off the cliff because they don't have footing or piers that go really deep. Because I'm telling you, when pressure comes, you better have something that goes a lot deeper that's on the surface. A lot deeper than what you see. It's not even just coming to, there's got to be something deeper. The other thing that they did I thought was interesting is they had no credentials. Did you know that when it came out, all these companies are coming out saying, we're not partners with OceanGate. What a name, right? OceanGate. Of all the names you can name your company, it's a scandal waiting to happen. The OceanGate. That's actually the name of the company. And they had no credentials. What began to happen is that Boeing came out, said, we're not partners with OceanGate. We had some things, but we didn't do any testing. We didn't, we didn't design any of this, uh, what this man did. Even NASA came out. We have no partnership with them. We have nothing. All this man did was use NASA is to give himself credibility. Many times what people do, they call name dropping, right? They give themselves credibility by dropping names. And I've seen many times people go to people that have no credibility and give that people credit. Bible says in 1 John 4, 1, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak the Spirit, speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God, for there are many false prophets in this world. 
You know, I, this is a side note, but I'm going to say this. It's amazing to me. You have people like, you know, pastors, right? Leadership for many years. Credibility. Never go. But you go take someone that has no credibility, has no experience, and ask them for advice. Let me help you. Don't ask someone that's been divorced multiple times about marriage device, advice. It's not going to help you. They have no credibility. I'm sorry. They have none. But I've seen this more and more where people will depend upon people on YouTube. They have no credibility. They don't even know who they are. And they put themselves under that type of leadership. But the truth is this. You can get spiritually beat up if you don't have the right credentials. There's a seven scuns of a skiva. Look what the Bible says. A group of Jews were traveling from town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Look what the Bible said. The seven scuns of skiva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time when they tried it, an evil spirit replied, I know Jesus. I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man of the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, attacked them such violence, and they fled from the house naked and battered. In other words, they were spiritually beat up. Let me help you. You gotta have to have some credibility when it comes to Jesus. It doesn't come just because you say in the name of Jesus. Isn't it interesting that in the last days when judgment comes, the Bible says, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do all those things in your name? And Jesus will say, I never knew you. You Just because you name drop doesn't mean you have power. You're going to have to have something more because what is credibility? I'm telling you, it's real simple. Faithfulness and dependability equals credibility. You want to have credibility. It's one of the things. That's why we don't put people in here. People will come to us all the time. Hey, pastor, we're looking to be in ministry. Okay, to serve God for six months. You know, I probably need to stop. We don't need to say that. We just say to come to church. Because what will happen many times, people will come in. They want to be in ministry. But we want to see if they'll be faithful, dependable, credible. Because when you come to church faithfully, guess what you do? You build a credibility. You bring dependability that we know, that okay, we can depend on this person. We can put some weight on this person. We can know because they come to church faithfully, we know that we can depend on them. And many people want leadership. They want to be in a ministry, but they, they can't be dependable. We don't know if you're going to come or not. Well, praise God, you know, but you just you can't use you. And listen, being a part of a church and being faithful Build something in you. you. You think, listen, let me help some of you that are faithful, that constantly come to church, or in ministry, you're in children's church, you're an usher, you're involved. Sometimes you can think, well, I'm just doing this. You have no idea what you're building on the inside. There's something to be said about a person that constantly comes with a good attitude. And constantly is just in worship, constantly serving in the church, there, something's happening to that person. First one, you're not testing yourself. Second Corinthians 1, 13, 5 says this, examine yourself, see if your faith is genuine, test yourself. Surely you'll know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith as you've tested yourselves. I hope you will recognize we have not failed the test of apostolic authority. You know, you've got to test yourself once in a while. You got to look in the mirror and you have to ask yourself, how's my attitude? That's what prayer is, right? But when you go to prayer, you begin to pray and you begin to ask God to help you. You begin to confess your sins. It's hard to be proud when you're confessing your sins. Jesus says, confess your sins. Therefore, the blood of Jesus will go on cleansing you. And it's very easy when you come to prayer. Prayer is a time where you're reflecting, but it's also a time to get your heart right. You know what they would do on the rigorous testing? They will run thousands and thousands of hours in submarines to make sure. And once that submarine has gone under thousands of times, they look at it, they take it apart. You know what they do? They trash it. They say, okay, it's tested. Now we can build everything after that. But see, if you're not testing yourself, 
there's defects. You know, they found out that before that Titan had gone under, that it had what they call cicular fatigue, delamination already. It had some problems. But this guy, Stockton Rush, they would tell him about it, but he was just like, you know, it's fine, it's cool, it's cool. You know, I know how it is, man. I'm in, I, you know, I, a lot of you that do construction, you know how it is. You don't allow anybody to tell you about what you're doing is wrong, right? How many of you love inspectors? I can't stand them, man. They'll come in here and they'll look around, you know, with their coffee and their taco, and they'll come and tell me, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. I'm like, oh, gosh. Come on, man. And you know what? And, and then you're there trying to, you know, bribe them. You know what I mean? Whatever you got to do. But they're just doing their job. They're doing their job because they're trying to figure out what is good and what is not good. Why? Because of safety. A lot of times I've seen people that just won't test themselves. You know, all these things I just said is this. Look, none of this comes cheap. Cheap ain't good and good ain't cheap. You ever heard that before? Did you realize that the new iPad, I'm sorry, the, uh, the Apple, they have an Apple, these glasses. You're saying, that's a lot of money. You know how much a F-35 fighter jet helmet goes for now? $400,000. Why? Because it's trying to protect a soldier that's in that, that jet, making sure everything's right. They put all this money into that so that he will be safe and protect our country. And I want you to think about that for a moment. It costs money. This building costs money. Anything of quality costs money. I've learned that over the years. You can go buy cheap, but it ain't the same. Pastor Corey Garza told me he bought this nice jack, right? And it looked good, but it was cheap. It wasn't that expensive. He gets the first thing he does, he uses it, it breaks. You know why? Because it was made in China. No offense, but that's what it said. Me, it, it, yeah, it was lack of quality, okay? He didn't pay for it. You got to pay for certain things if they're going to have any quality to them. They said that when that man that actually those five people that passed away, one of them was uh, Stockton Rush. He, they said that he, that he charged them too, too little. They were like $250,000 for a ticket. He said what they should have charged is $1.5 million a ticket so that they can get a new vessel every time they go submerging. Because they said you can't keep going down into the pressure, into the deep, and not have any effect. And I thought, you know, that's such a, uh, you know what? He was trying to save money. Trying to see people to go in that, think he was being, you know, because, you know, he's like, hey, I'm just trying to get people to go down here, but not realizing it cost them their lives. But I think about that. Pressure does make you stronger. Revelation 3, 8 says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich. James 1, 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing the testing of your faith produces that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I'm going to ask you, is the pressure refining you or refrying you? Are you refried or refined? I mean, I love bean and cheese tacos, okay? But I don't want to be a bean and cheese taco. I want to be the gold that Jesus speaks of. 1 Peter 1, 7 says this, These trials will show that your faith is genuine and being tested as fire, tests and purifies gold through your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor in the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. What he is saying very simply is this, when you go through a trial the way Jesus wants you to go through a trial, it begins to purify things in you. You know why you go through trials? Because there's things in you that God wants to get out of you. But it's all about your attitude. It's all about how you face it. It's all about how you go through it. See, Jesus understood that there was a pressure coming. There was a pressure that was coming. So I want to ask you this. And I end with the greater pressure. How do you and I withstand this pressure?
of life. Let me help you out. Remember the scripture I read to you, 1 John 5, 4. And this is another, this is actually, look what he says. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And what of the victory that's overcome the world is our faith. He who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. Remember I said in the beginning, greater is he that is in you that is in the world. You know what's going to help you? Is the revelation of Jesus and who he is in you. In other words, Jesus doesn't lose his strength. It's your knowledge of him. Let me say that again. I've seen people fall away. It's not because Jesus has lost strength. It's because that person or that Christian has lost the revelation of who Jesus is. Can I say that again? You cannot lose this revelation. It is greater. This is why Jesus tells the disciples, he told Peter, and he says, look, I give you the keys. But he also says, look, upon this rock, I shall build my church. He wasn't saying, I'm going to build upon Peter. He says, look, I'm going to build upon the revelation that Jesus is the Messiah. You must build upon Jesus. In other words, it never gets away from Jesus. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 7, that the ages to come, he might show exceedingly riches of grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. The, the amp version says, immeasurable, limitless, surpassing riches. Ephesians 3, 8, to me, whom less than the least of these saints, the grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. The M version says the unending, boundless, phantomless, incalculable, man, that's a lot of words right there. Inca- you know what it says, amen, and exhaustless. Got tongue-tied, sorry. What he is saying is this. The revelation of Jesus must be cultivated. See, if you come to church and you hear Jesus, you go, oh yeah, okay, I have Jesus. You're becoming too familiar with him. In other words, he's lost his luster. He's lost his, I want to know who he is. I want to know him more. Because this is why when Paul writes to the church at Colossae, look what he says, Colossians 2, 2, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, attaining to all the riches of assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both the Father and the Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Listen, I want you to think about this. The seed that fell upon the wayside, the stony ground, it said it had no deep root. It said it received it with joy, but when trial and tribulation came, temptation, it had no root. It didn't go deep. You're going to have to go deep and say, I am not satisfied of what I know of Jesus today I want to know him more. Listen, all the problems in the world can be fixed to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. You don't need to have psychobabble. You don't need to tell someone, well, you know, I, need, I, wish I, you know, I wish I was smarter that I could give them an intellectual argument. Let me help you. Jesus crucified is the answer. Through him, the knowledge of him is the answer to mankind. And if you begin to cultivate this idea of the revelation of Jesus, let me tell you, it will keep you. It builds something you. Guess what? When the pressures of the world, when life begins to push on you, that greater pressure in you pushes it out. That when things come to you like deceiving lies, the knowledge of Jesus, the revelation of Jesus will push those things out. I end with this scripture, 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made the light shine on our hearts so we could know the glory of God that seen the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like uh, uh, fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. Look what it says. We are pressed on every side pressure by troubles but we're not crushed we're perplexed but not driven to despair we're hunted down 
but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. You know, one of the great things I see many times, you ever been to areas like Terra Hills or these areas where they have old homes? When the home is gone away with, the only thing that's left is the foundation because it's strong. At the end of life, the only foundation that we need, because things, there's a, trust me, there's a shaking that's coming. It's the foundation of Jesus in our lives. My question to you, are you going to go deep? We're not going to handle our problems carnally anymore. We're not going to handle them. Because listen, when pressure comes, because whatever happened to Ocean Gate, Titan, they're trying to figure it all out. All we understand is one thing, the pressure was too great. And the material was not strong enough. I'm telling you, the material that I'm speaking of is strong enough. But it's only when you get this revelation of who Jesus is and you begin to cultivate that and say, you know what, I want to know who Jesus is more and more. And if you begin to do this, you'll overcome any pressure that comes your way. I like your head bowed, everybody calls reverence to Jesus. Maybe God's speaking to you, maybe God's dealing with you, and you're here. And you're saying, Pastor, I'm not right with God. I'm not saved. I don't know where I'm going to go. Listen, if you're going to handle your problems by your own ability, there will be an implosion. Jesus is the answer. He is the solution. He is the, he is the, the, the foundation of everything we believe in. But guess what? It's not just that. He's the one that gives you the ability to go through things. Isn't it interesting that Jesus was crucified? The Bible says that at one time in his life, he was alone. But he rose from the dead. And guess what? Because of that, none of you here have to go through the fire alone. You have Meshach, Sharak, and Abednego. They're in the fire. The Bible said there was another that looked like the son of man. That was the Old Testament. The New Testament says when you go through the fire, Jesus that dwells in you is always going to be with you. You're never alone. But that only comes when you surrender yourself to Jesus. Will you surrender? Will you say, gee, I need Jesus this evening. I'm not going to go by my own ability. I'm not going to handle my problems by my own hand. I need to surrender and say, you know what, Jesus, you take over. I surrender myself to you. Maybe God's speaking to you. You want to be saved. You want to give your life to Jesus. That's you. I want you to raise your hand. Anybody in this room, pastor, I'm not saved. I'm not right with God, but I need to get my heart right. You can raise your hand. Nobody looking around. God's speaking to your heart. Maybe you're here. You're backslidden. You once walked with Christ, but you're not walking with Christ. At this moment, you're not walking with him. You've gotten off the road of salvation. You're backslidden in your heart. But you say, you know what? I want to get my heart right. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Anybody in this room, I need to get my heart right. God's dealing with you right now. Praise God. Maybe God's spoken to you. I begin to think that many times as we're going through things and the pressures of life, see, when you get out of the fire, like I said before, you're either going to be refined or refined. But you're not going through the fire by yourself. He's not just in the fire. He's in you. Therefore, Greater is he that's in you that is in the world. Jesus overcame, therefore you can overcome. That seed that God put in you is the living God that's in you that you can overcome. But maybe you're here right now and you're saying, Pastor, that's me. I, and maybe God spoke to you some form or fashion in the sermon. And so you know what? I need to begin to cultivate this, this revelation of Jesus. These altars are open. You can come pray. Will you sing a song?
let me be as gold and precious silver purify my heart let me be Robo, 